Well, here at City Church, uh, we believe that the Christian religion is all about faith expressing itself in love. And uh, personal Christianity begins when you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins so that you can be forgiven and enter into an eternal relationship with God. This belief is called faith. And if faith is the beginning point of what it means to be a Christ follower, then the culmination of what it means to follow him is in the word love. Faith expressing itself in love. Well, if this is what the Christian faith is all about, if it's about faith and love, then what is all this other stuff in the middle? Why not just jump from faith to love and live out our Christianity automatically? Well, the reason is, is that faith I mean, that love isn't automatic. Love is something that has to grow. It's something that you and I have to nurture in our lives. And in order to do that, there is a process. And all of this other stuff in the middle is about the process of spiritual growth. The Apostle Peter described this process to us, and this is what he said. He said, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, Love. Adding these seven qualities to your faith is the process for spiritual growth. You and I can actually measure our own spiritual growth based on where we find ourselves in this process. And if you find yourself on a particular step, maybe there's something missing in your life in this list, that is where you would want to focus your attention in order to grow spiritually. Uh, So Peter says this process is so vital that we should make every effort to carry it out because your spiritual growth now in this life determines how you experience eternity in the next life. And so in this series, Clayton and I are trying to help you posture yourself to take each of these seven steps so that you can fully enjoy eternity. But I want to raise the question, does this, these seven steps, do they even matter I mean, no one else is talking about posturing yourself for spiritual growth. No one is talking about posturing yourself for love. Jimmy Kimmel isn't doing interviews on it, 
Snoop Dogg isn't rapping about it. SNL isn't doing parodies about it. Taylor Swift isn't singing songs about it. I don't know if she's singing any songs right now. I, I think she and, what's that girl's name, Perry? They're fighting each other, right? I want you to know I do read the news. I try to stay up to date. Presidents aren't giving speeches about spiritual growth. So why does it matter? It seems like no one else is talking about spiritual growth, about taking the journey from faith to love. Well, most of us probably believe that it would be better now in this life for us if we lived a life of love. But there is another reason that you and I need to pay attention to our spiritual growth. And that is because you and I are going to give an account to God for how we have lived our lives. This accounting will be given at a future event called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote about this event, and I want us to look at what he said. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And the implication is, is that if you've done good things, you're going to receive a reward for that. And if you've done bad things, you're going to receive the appropriate reward for that. Now, this judgment that Paul talked about here is not a judgment to determine if we go to heaven or not. In fact, the only people who will be at the judgment seat of Christ are people who are Christ followers. If you've not believed in Jesus, you won't be at this judgment. The only people who will be there are people who have faith. This judgment is more like a final exam to determine how we as Christ followers will experience heaven. At the judgment seat of Christ, if you have loved, you'll be rewarded. If you have not loved, you will be judged accordingly. Y'all, it's serious. And yet, most people aren't talking about it, and many Christ followers aren't even aware that this event is going to take place. Let me illustrate it this way. Imagine that you're taking a course that you have to pass to get your license to practice your career, to become a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or an electrician or a counselor, whatever. And on the last day of your class, your teacher hands out a final exam and you knew nothing about it. These are the kinds of things that nightmares are made of. How do you think you're going to perform on that final exam? Probably not that well. You know, I have a nightmare like this occasionally related to standing here speaking to you. In my nightmare, I arrive for the service, planning to sit up in the mezzanine, only to be told that I am the guy giving the talk. I'm totally unprepared. I had no idea I was the guy, and yet I have to walk out here on stage and teach. 
I know I'm going to make an idiot of myself. Some of you might be wondering, I wonder if today was one of those kinds of weekends. It wasn't. I'm ready. In my dream, I walk out on stage, and when I stand here behind this little black stand, all I'm wearing is my whitey tighties. I feel so exposed, right? Well, you don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ in your whitey tidies. So how do we prepare for this event so that we won't be standing there embarrassed by how we've lived? Well, Peter said that we need to posture ourselves to add these seven qualities to our faith. Now, so far in the series, we've looked at the qualities of virtue and knowledge and self-control. And today, we want to take a few moments to look at the quality of perseverance, of endurance, because without endurance, you will never finish the journey from faith to love. Without endurance, you'll quit every time. Now, I know that many of us don't have a great record when it comes to endurance. When things get hard, many of us give up. When our job gets to be like work, we quit. When school becomes too demanding, we drop out. When our marriage requires us to be better than we're used to being, we divorce. When God asks us to follow Jesus fully, we go back to our old way of living. And I can tell you that the theme of quitting dominated my own life story for about 30 years. Endurance has always been a challenge for me. So if it is for you, believe me, I get it. So how do we learn to posture ourselves for endurance? Well, to answer this question, I want us to look at what the writer of Hebrews said about the topic. This is what he wrote. He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Y'all, I want to take just a few minutes to unpack this verse, and there are two very important truths that it teaches us about endurance. The first is, is that Jesus is the source of endurance for you and me. The writer called him the author and finisher of our faith. If you are a Christ follower, your faith was authored by Jesus. He is the one who started it in you. He's the one who died for you on the cross. You have believed in him and you have received him as your savior. I'm not your savior. Your church isn't your savior. Your grandmother isn't your savior. Your spouse who keeps dragging you to service isn't your savior. Your own good religious traditions that you grew up with aren't your savior. Jesus is. Your faith is in him. He is the founder of your faith. But he's also the finisher of it. If your faith is going to develop into love, 
you have to follow his example. Because if you live like Jesus, you will love like Jesus. And if you love like Jesus, you'll be prepared to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. So if you want to posture yourself for love, don't look anywhere else. Look to Jesus. That's what the author of Hebrews wrote. Secondly, this verse teaches us that Jesus's own example of endurance shows you and me how to endure. You know, as he faced the physical pain and humiliation of the crucifixion, the most natural thing Jesus could have done would have been to have quit, to have looked for a way out, but he didn't do that. Why didn't he bail? Why didn't he give up? Why didn't he quit on the cross? Well, the writer of Hebrews says one of the reasons he didn't quit was for the joy that was set before him which he then told us what that joy was. He said, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, the right hand was an ancient Hebraic way, a poetic way of talking about a person's power and authority. God the Father gave to Christ the Son the most powerful position in the universe. He seated him at his strong right hand. This is where Jesus is right now. And he did this because Jesus endured the cross. It was a reward for his endurance. And you know what? Enduring always has a reward attached to it in the way that giving up and quitting doesn't. When you endure a hard assignment or a tough marriage or wayward kids or financial difficulty or personal pain, there is always a reward at the end of that. I can't tell you what it is. You won't know what it is until you get to the end and you experience it. And when we don't quit on the journey from faith to love, God rewards that as well. So let me ask you, when you stand before Christ at the judgment seat, do you think you're going to want to be rewarded? Do you think you're going to want that to be a moment where you're proud of the way you've lived? Or are you going to be standing there in your whitey tidies? You know, I think we all know the answer to that question. So why, that's why you and I want to posture ourselves for endurance. So what's the key to doing that? How do you and I actually learn to endure? Well, the writer of Hebrews gave us a hint when he compared following Christ to running a race. He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I don't know if any of you have ever run a race, probably a few of you have, but if you have, you, all, you know that there's always a point in the race where you want to give up. It's like, what am I doing out here, right? Endurance is about not giving up. It's about finishing regardless of that stitch in your side. It's about pushing through the pain. It's about staying with it. But do you know what makes it possible for you and me to endure the pain 
of any situation, of a race, it's knowing where the finish line is. You know, when we lived in Zambia, I rode on a cycling team. Now, uh, that was about 10, 12 years ago, and I was in the best shape of my life, but it didn't matter. I still wasn't a very good rider. I was never great. I was too big. And so I raced in what they called in Zambia Category B. But still, Category B races were 50 to 60 miles long, and you weren't just going on a ride. You were on a race, and uh, they, they weren't cakewalks. Well, I remember this one particular race. Maybe it was the worst one that we did that year. We did 10 of them that year. It ended on the worst hill in Zambia. Now, this hill was so steep that you had to stand up on your pedals to climb it. You couldn't sit on the seat of your bicycle and go up this hill. Also, it was so long that it took 25 minutes of riding this way to get from the bottom to the top of this hill. And it was, <laughs> it was such a, a bad road that we were on. It was full of potholes everywhere that if you hit one of those, you could crash. And so every time you rode this hill, you were breathing so hard, it felt like you were wearing your lungs on the outside of your jersey. It was miserable. For 25 minutes, your legs were on fire and your lungs were gasping for breath. Well, add to this that on that particular race day, we had already raced 60 miles when we got to the bottom of that hill. We were already tired when we faced it. Well, as we all started up this hill, believe it or not, I'm telling the truth, I began passing other riders. And I was actually a little proud of it. I mean, I really wasn't trying to pass anyone. You have to believe me when I tell you passing anybody really wasn't on my mind. I was just trying to endure and get up the hill. But <clears throat> I started passing other riders. Well, I passed people going all the way up the hill. It was kind of cool. I was feeling pretty good. And about 150 yards from the finish line, I started to pass another guy. Now, when I say I passed him, don't think of me passing him like I was on I-10, right? It wasn't like, you know, and I just came around him. This was more like one turtle passing another turtle, right? We could have had a conversation with each other for quite a while if we'd have had any oxygen to do so. And let me remind you, I didn't care a thing about passing him. I'm just 150 yards to the finish line. Well, to my complete surprise, as I began to pass this guy, he sped up. I couldn't believe it. Didn't he know that I wasn't trying to pass him? He didn't want to be passed. And um, I was just trying not to fall down, really, to be honest. But of course, if he sped up, you know I had to speed up, right? I mean, I had to. And all of a sudden, the two of us were blowing our guts out trying to beat each other in the last hundred yards of a 60-mile race. I didn't want to race, but I wasn't about to lose. Now, that's not the point of the story. I won, I beat him, but it's not the point of the story. Do you know why I was so motivated to endure even though I was exhausted? It was because I could see the finish line right there. 
It was right there. And because I could see the end, I could endure to the end. Y'all, this is true about everything. I think it might be true about birthing a baby. I've never done that, but I think it might be. It's true about raising your children. One day they're not all going to be in pampers. They're going to have all their teeth. One day, well, just trust me. One day it's not going to be that bad. It's true about finishing boot camp. It's true about graduating. It's true about that project that requires you to work every weekend for a month. It's true about the journey from faith to love. If you can see the end, you can endure to the end. And that is the promise Peter was writing about. He was telling us about the end, about Jesus' return, about his kingdom, about eternity. And he said, it's not that far away. Endure. And this is what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to make sure that you are looking for the finish line and posturing yourself for it. So let me ask you a very important question. What is your finish line. How have you defined the goal of your life? You know, some of us are making a major mistake in the way we define the finish line. Some of us think the finish line is in this life. We think it's a bigger house We think it's a wealthy spouse. We think it's an important job. We think it's an easy existence. We think it's a newer phone or a better opportunity. Some people think the finish line is that shiny object that they're obsessed with or a fully funded retirement or a bunch of cool good times hanging out with friends. These things might be good, but none of them are the finish line for a Christ follower. For you and me, if we have faith, the finish line for us is not in this life. It's in the next life. The judgment seat of Christ. That is our finish line. And to define it any other way will result in a tragic miscalculation that will have disastrous consequences for you and me. It will have disastrous consequences for our life decisions, for our spiritual growth. It will leave you and me standing in our whitey tidies before Christ. And so I want to ask you today, are you focused on a different finish line than the one Peter said we should focus on? If so... I'm asking you to change that. I'm asking you to focus on the promise that no one else is talking about, but that the scripture talks about all the time. Because if you can see the end, you can endure to the end. And so Heavenly Father, we pray for ourselves. And Lord, we pray for our friends, our family, for people 
who are going through some very difficult times in their lives. Lord, we pray that you would enable them to adjust the goal. Enable them, Lord, to see the promise of your return and the future of eternity. And Lord, enable them because of it to endure. Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing very hard times right now in their life. I pray that you would come alongside them and I pray that as they add knowledge, this knowledge we've talked about today to their faith, I pray, Lord, that it would encourage them to endure, to finish, to not bail. Lord, we need it. And we think you're probably the only one who can give it to us. And so we ask it from you. And we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.